Hi guys, my name is Jason Mountford and this is The Hedge and it's the final episode for 2021. It has been a crazy year. It's been just over 12 months since I started the podcast. I started the podcast pretty much this time in 2020. I think it was November 2020, my first episode. Um, and the show's grown massively. It really has grown massively. Um, I've been really blown away by the amount of support I've had from so many of you guys have been blown away by how many listeners I've been getting and how much that's been increasing month on month. So really to start with, I just want to say a really huge thank you to you guys for tuning in. You know, it really means the world to me when I, th- when I see, you know, literally thousands of people downloading each episode um, every week that it, it kind of blows my mind that there's that many people out there who want to listen to to what I have to say and um, hopefully it means that I'm bringing content that's, that's valuable and that you guys are able to use in your own lives to help, you know, get better with money, have a better financial situation and and basically work towards that, that future that you're after. Now, today's episode, um, I want to keep things really simple because like I say, it is the last episode of 2021. I'm sure... Like most of um, like most of us, you've been thinking a little bit about 2022, especially given that the, what you know what last year had in store for us. Probably hoping that 2022 is going to throw up some things that are better, a little a little more freedom, a little more flexibility, a little more scope to be able to go after the things that we want. And I think it's a really good time to to take stock and think about exactly what what that is for you. And I put a post up on um, a poll up on my Instagram stories last week. um, And I asked whether, do you set New Year's, have New Year's resolutions? You know, is that something that you do? And I was surprised that a lot of people said no. And I think it might be because I use the word resolution instead of goal. You know, I think when we talk about New Year's resolutions, it can kind of have this connotation of something that's not going to last. You know, I'm going to um, I'm going to stop drinking for the for the rest of the year. I'm going to not have any takeaway. I'm going to not spend any money at Costa. Uh, I'm not going to use my credit card. You know, things that aren't necessarily sustainable. But actually, I'm a really big fan of New Year's resolutions. And I guess let's use the term that I tend to use more. And You know, I'm a big fan of goal setting. I'm a big fan of setting objectives. I think if you don't do that, you have... Uh, a high risk of just kind of floating along and making excuses for yourself and kind of never really getting where I know anyway I know that's that's how it works for me anyway I know that if I don't have a, a fairly strict uh, goal in mind and a fairly strict plan of ha- how I get there I find it very easy to excuse my behavior um, and do do things that aren't in my best interests um, and explain away why they are in my best interests so Today, I want to talk about, I want to keep things really simple. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about setting financial goals for 2022, and I want to talk about the importance of an emergency fund. Very quickly before I jump into that, there's going to be more and more stuff going up on the website. Um, the website's been up a few month, uh, a few weeks now. Uh, I'm really happy with it. I'm really proud of how it looks, the content that's on there. I'm going to be releasing new articles every week on there. Um, obviously, all these these episodes will go up, up there as well, but there's going to be a lot more content on there. I'm also going to be, within the next few weeks, I'm going to be releasing um, an ebook, 
um, and that'll be going up um, for, for free on the website as well. So if you sign up to the newsletter on the website, I will be um, letting you know when that is out, letting you know how you can get a copy. Um, and there's going to be more and more stuff coming from The Hedge in 2022. I'm really excited about what this year um, is going to bring. Like I say, the growth has been fantastic so far, and I think we can really um, we can really accelerate that in, in 2022. So with that said, let's let's get into the first thing I want to talk to you about today, which is the importance of having an emergency fund. And I wanted to talk about this because if you don't have one, if you don't have a stash of cash for emergencies, that should be your number one financial goal for 2022. And you should consider it a personal financial emergency that you don't have one. And there's a couple of different reasons for this. The first reason is the one that you're probably thinking of, which is the pure financial perspective. You know, if you have something that comes up that's going to cost you a couple of thousand pounds, a couple of hundred pounds, a few hundred pounds, whatever the case may be, it's going to cost you a chunk of money that's going to hurt. It's going to cost you a chunk of money that doesn't fit into your normal day-to-day expenditure and you're going to need to get that money from somewhere. There's effectively two places where you can get that money from. You can get that money from your own emergency fund, your own cash, easy access, can swipe your card or withdraw the cash that day, emergency fund. That's the first place. That's the best place you can get that money from. The second place is very far on the other end of the spectrum, and that's debt. And this is what a lot of people, um, how a lot of people think of an emergency fund is they have a credit card with a £4,000 limit and say, that is my emergency fund. The problem with that is that if you need that emergency fund, if you need to spend £2,000 on your credit card, it becomes very, very difficult to get, ever get that paid off. And, and you're constantly behind the eight ball trying to make the repayments with interest getting piled on top. And generally speaking, if you're going to be using debt for an emergency fund, the interest rate is going to be high as well. You know, It's not really very easy to make quick emergency withdrawals from your mortgage which may only be charging you 2 3% interest. It is very easy to take quick emergency withdrawals from a credit card that's probably charging you 17% interest. So generally speaking, the, the debt that works for the type of things you need money for in an emergency is not the kind of debt that you'd want to use for a ongoing, an ongoing balance. So from that perspective, it, it, it makes pretty obvious sense why you want an emergency fund. You know, if you, if you take 2000 from your cash account, to fund whatever the emergency cost is or the short-term cost is. You can build that up over time. It's not going to cost you anything to build that up. You just try and tighten the belt a little bit for the next few months after that and build that back up to, to where, where you want it to be. The downside, obviously, with the credit card is that you are you have £2,000 uh, owing on that card. You can still be plugging away with the same amount of money. There's going to be interest that's piling on top of that. It's going to take you longer to pay that off. If you have an another, If you have another emergency, that comes up whilst you're going through that that period of paying it off, that sets you back further. Very easy to get into an ongoing cycle if using debt as an emergency fund. So, I mean, that's pretty obvious in a lot of ways. It makes more financial sense to use your own money for short-term cash emergencies than it does using credit card. That makes sense. That's not rocket science. The other aspect of having an emergency fund is one that is not a financial aspect, but it's something that I learned firsthand. I used to be the kind of person that never had an emergency fund. I spent every penny of my paycheck. I was two days away from my pay, scraping around for loose change. I would have a credit card. I thought, 
you know, if I really needed money, I could access that. You know, let me let me preface this. This was in my younger days before my financial planning training and all that. But nevertheless, you know, that is how I lived. And then over time, I learned some lessons and decided I need to, to sort myself out, started to um, make better financial decisions, put away, it got to a point um, where I was able to have a, an emergency fund. And it taught me a couple of things. It taught me, number one, obviously, better financial decision like we've talked about. It makes a lot more sense, I'm not worrying about interest from a credit card, that sort of thing. But the aspect of it that, that I wasn't really expecting is how much more confident and relaxed it made me in my day-to-day life. You know, when it made me realize that when I didn't have an emergency cash buffer, some cash to pay for things that might come up, I was kind of constantly really nervous about a lot of things going wrong. Um, and, you know, not nervous in that it impacted my life. I was, you know, I've always generally been a fairly easygoing person. But I just realized that whenever there was a funny sound coming from my car or um, some bad news headlines about the industry that I was working in or anything that I had reason to think might impact me financially, I realized it kind of sent me into scramble mode a little bit. And I was thinking, okay, shit, I've got to, I've got to have a plan here. If this goes wrong, if this is a problem for me, what is my game plan? How am I going to, where am I going to get the cash from? And I always thought that I would be able to find it, but it's stressful. You know, it ups the anxiety levels and makes you kind of have to come up with a game plan. And so when I got to the point where I, I was able to have a bit of cash set aside, I realized that that, that went away. You know, that feeling of kind of nervousness and anxiety that came with not having any money in my bank account, um, that's a really, a really negative impact, can have a really negative impact on your mental health and, and your levels of, of, of well-being. And I, I found that having that emergency cash buffer has made a massive impact to how comfortable I feel in just going about day-to-day life. You know, when you get bad news, when, you know, when the dog needs to go to the vet, and you get a phone call and they tell you it's going to be, you know, however many hundred or thousand pounds, you know, you don't have that same that same stomach drop feeling of where am I going to get the money for this. And that then makes it very much, much easier to go into other decisions you make in your life. So whether that is holding firm on a, on a pay rise at work or being comfortable in making a jump to a different career or a different company, um, whether that is you know, going out on your own, whether that is, um, you know, making the call on, on certain purchases that are, are going to be good for your quality of life, but maybe you're going to cost you a bit of money. Loads of different aspects, lots of different things in your life where knowing you have a safety net, knowing you have a backup can provide you with a huge level of well-being other than just the simple pounds and pence of whether it's going to cost you an X amount in interest. So emergency fund, great idea. Let's say you're on board with that. The next question I pretty much always get is how much do I need to have an emergency fund? And this is a how long is a piece of string because everybody's level of comfort is going to be different. Everybody's you know possible um, emergencies are different. You know, for example, if you are a renter, if you rent the house that you live in, the flat that you live in, you know, you're not going to have to have on on your in your mind replacing the roof or replacing the boiler or stuff that can go wrong with your property, which is, if you are a homeowner, one of the 
biggest things you need to be thinking about, you know, and biggest uses of an emergency fund is those sorts of things that could go wrong in your house. They're generally going to cost you a pretty, pretty, pretty uh, hefty amount of money. Um, and most of the time, you're going to want to get them fixed pretty quickly. Same as if you do you have a car, do you have children, do you have a um, a job that is very secure, or do you work freelance? You know, all these different things are going to mean that you're going to have just like anything with financial planning, you're going to have a different um, needs needs basis than than you know your best friend or the person sitting next to you. So it's important to have a think about what are the possible costs that could potentially come up. Um, it's also important to think about your living expenses, your living costs. You know, again, could you cut your costs if you have children? Um, there's probably a limit to how far you could cut your costs if you've got children and a family and to support and a household to run, as opposed to a single person who lives with mum and dad. You know, it's going to be very, very different. To use a very um, broad brush, I uh, often use a rule of thumb of three to six months of your base living costs. So, when I'm talking about base living costs, I I'm not talking about um, you know money that you set aside for entertainment or you know holiday fund each month that sort of thing. I'm more talking like keeping a roof over your head, keeping food on the table, keeping the lights on. You know the base costs that you need to run your house and you need to continue your life. And the reason why I use three to six months is because you know one of the reasons why an emergency fund can be really useful is because you it, it is in an instance where your income stopped. So whether that's you know income from self-employment or income from a salary or whatever, you know what you want to have happen is if if you can't get an income from your work, if you're not if you lose your job or get made redundant with a minimal payout or um, get sick and have a terrible uh, sick pay package at work, you have options where you've got three to six month breathing space where you can find a new source of income. And for most people, three to six months should be enough to be able to find something. You know, it may not be your dream job, it may not be back at the same pay you're on, worst case scenario, but it should be enough time for you to find something. So I I say three to six months is a good place to start. Um, I also know that different people are going to feel comfortable with different levels. So if if you have very low living costs, um, then three to six months might feel a bit light on. If you're looking at the amount in your account, I've got people who like to have two years, three years worth of living costs in cash in an emergency fund. So it isn't going to be the same for everybody. I think the most important thing is just what makes you feel comfortable. What amount in your account can you look at and you say, you know what, that that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like pretty much anything that gets thrown at me, I can deal with it. And then the last question really when it comes to an emergency fund, you understand that you need one, you understand the amount that you want, where do you put it? And really, this is the this is one of the areas where you don't worry about anything that I talk about when it comes to investment or protecting against against inflation or long term average returns or volatility, anything like that. There is literally one place where you should keep your emergency fund, and that is in a bank account. A plain and simple, direct access. Go into the bank that day, take the cash out, bank account. I see this on Reddit in particular. I see people talking about putting their emergency fund in inverted commas in all sorts of crazy places. Um, I've seen on the very um, mellow end of the spectrum is national savings and investments uh, like premium bonds, not the worst place, but it can take a few weeks to get the money out. Often it's only a few days, but there have been instances when NSNI have been swamped and it's taken 
I have heard up to seven weeks for um, for so for one of our clients, um, it took seven weeks to get money from National Savings Investments. If you have an emergency, you don't want to be waiting seven weeks, and you especially don't want to be waiting seven weeks for the government, because it can be very difficult to get hold of anybody. It can be very difficult to raise anything up the chain, or you know, you are kind of stuck waiting for them to process it. So. That's the on the mellow end of the spectrum. On the crazy end of the spectrum, I've heard people talk about keeping their emergency fund in Bitcoin. Again, that is crazy. <laughs> the whole point of an emergency fund is you want to know that if you've got 10 grand in there, there's 10 grand in there. And you can rely on the fact that if you need six grand, there is six grand. If you need eight grand, there's eight. If you, you need to be able to rely that the money in your emergency fund is going to be available and accessible quickly and that the amount you know that the amount that's in there. Regardless of what you think about Bitcoin in the long term, it is hella volatile. And you could easily put 10,000 pounds into Bitcoin and then have 4,000 pounds within the space of a couple of weeks. So you want to stay completely away from a, from any asset that is volatile and fluctuate. That includes the stock market. That includes even the bond market. You know, An emergency fund is for cash. It's for quick access. And it is somewhere where you don't want to hold a lot of money for those exact reasons. You know, the the number one thing about it is is that it is accessible. That means that it is going to go down in real terms with inflation. So you will need to top it up to keep it level each year. You're not going to get great returns, if any returns from it, but that's okay. That's not what it's there for. You don't want to go crazy. You don't want to hold 10 years worth of income in an emergency fund. It is there for short-term access to cash. And just very quickly, the last thing that I want to talk about today is setting financial goals for 2022. And if you did see my um, Instagram poll and you you answered no because I said resolutions, think about it as goals. Think about you know what do you want your financial future to look like. And the way that I find this really useful to do, and it's how I, I work with clients, is that we look at long term, medium term, and short term goals. And Again, timeframes are different for everybody, but I like to think of long-term as over five years, medium-term as anywhere from two years to, say, four years, and then short-term in the next year or two. So it's always really important to break those down and into how much they are going to cost you. So sometimes that's really easy to do. You know, If you want to buy a new car in three years' time and it's going to cost you £20,000, that's a pretty easy mathematical equation to do. If you want to retire in 17 years time and you want to have an income of £34,000 per annum, that's a bit more complicated. There are tools out there that can do it. That's one of the areas where people like me can help. Um, But broadly speaking, especially for short and medium term goals, it can be pretty straightforward to break down what's that goal going to cost me financially? How much money do I need to meet that? And therefore, how much do I need to be saving each month to reach that goal? And so for, for, for this particular for this particular conversation today, I just want to talk about short-term goals. Because often if you are, especially if you're just starting on this process of trying to be better with money, get ahead financially, think more about the future, it can be daunting and kind of a bit um, a bit abstract to start thinking about long-term, you know, even five years or more. It can seem a bit abstract. And so planning out the next 12 months can be a really good way to kickstart things. And it can be a really good way to kickstart things if you've never done anything before. It can be a really good way to kind of reinvigorate yourself or just make sure you're continuing on the path that you want to be on. So 
what I, I would suggest is you set two financial goals that you want to achieve this year. And that could be something simple like, you know, I want to build up an emergency fund to £10,000 by the end of the year. And I want to use £5,000 of my ISA allowance to invest into the stock market. That's it. That's two financial goals. They might be a bit, um, you know, those numbers are just examples. That might be a, a bit um, shooting a bit high or shooting a bit low, depending on your financial circumstances. But once you have those 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 simple objectives in place, then it is just about automating reaching those objectives. Because the good thing with financial goals is they are simply maths, simply mathematical. You know, to use a really simple number to make my maths easy, if you want to save twelve thousand pounds into your investment portfolio this year. It's very simple to work that out. You simply save a £1,000 from every paycheck each month. Um, and what you want to do is you just want to automate that. So you want to make sure that the money's going out automatically, being invested automatically, so that you don't have to constantly rely on willpower or constantly rely on motivation to make sure you reach those financial goals. So I would definitely recommend that you set some financial goals for yourself this year. That can be part of a large goal. So it can be, you know, in five years time, I want to have paid off my mortgage or in five years time, I want to be earning a hundred thousand pounds a year. Um, and then you can break that down into, you know, that therefore that means each year I need to do X, each year I need to pay off X, each year I need to increase my income by X, or they can be standalone, build an emergency fund say £5,000 into an investment portfolio. But I definitely highly recommend that you you um, set those goals, review them as time goes on. If they're feeling too simple or too easy, then make them a bit more difficult, reach a little bit. Um, and if, by the same token, if, if it's not working for you, if, if, if you get three, four, six months down the line and you're consistently not able to reach that of goal, then recalibrate, rethink about it, relook at your objectives. But I uh, definitely recommend setting those goals and having a plan to do your best to reach them. Again, guys, I really, really appreciate you um, sticking with me these last 12 months, listening to the content, engaging with the content. So I'd really like to hear what your financial goals are for this year. You can... Um, get in touch with me via email, via the website and go to thehedge.io um, and you can find all the different content on there. You can sign up to the newsletter. You can click um, all the links to my different social accounts are on there. You can email me. Let me know what your financial goal is for this year. That'll tell me two things. Number one, you're, you're writing it down. So you're going to make it something that you are putting out there to the world. I'm going to know about it. You never know, maybe I'll get in touch with you later in the year and uh, see how you're going towards it. But number two, it will help me also understand what it is that you guys are trying to achieve and then I can come up with ways potentially to be able to help you achieve those things. So thank you so much always for for um, for tuning into the episode, for listening to the content, for supporting me through, uh, through this process and I'm really, really pumped up about 2022 and what we can achieve together. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and I look forward to speaking to you next week.